What's going on, bud? What's up? We uh, wrapped up the final week of the NFL, and also we are on the other side of the national championship in the NCAA, so a lot happened and a lot to discuss this week. How you doing? How I'm do doing, you feel about I'm doing good, man. I'm ready for I'm ready for some playoff playoff NFL football. You know, mm-hmm. Georgia winning last night was awesome. Anytime Alabama loses, I feel like America wins. Definitely. I mean, I, I was uh I don't think anyone in my household was rooting for Alabama. Mm-mm. But I was I was a little surprised. I knew Georgia would put up a good fight, but just based on the way the previous matchup went between the two, this game was a lot different, and we're, we're going to do a little segment breaking that down uh, at the end of this podcast. Unless you want to go off and uh, start with that first, however you want to run. No, this. we'll just we'll keep it. It will keep it in order. They always. I'm going to say one thing about it, and then we'll move on for the rest of it for later. But they but, always say the the team that loses the first game is always going to win the second game. All the experts mm-hmm. were picking Georgia. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had the Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young quarterback in the other side and then that injury to uh, Jameson Williams was obviously unfortunate um mm-hmm. that definitely derailed the game I think for sure but we'll, we'll get into that more in detail later but welcome to episode number 89 of the pod we're sitting here uh t- Tuesday January 11th it's about two o'clock mm-hmm. um what a week of football we had in the NFL first things mm-hmm. first I mean you had three probably four games that actually really meant something for for playoff positioning for for playoff mm-hmm. spots I should say there was a lot of games with seating on the line and whatnot but three of those games went to overtime. You had that game in LA between the chart or between the Rams and the 49ers. You had this crazy mm-hmm. Sunday nighter in Vegas. And then obviously Big Ben's last ride turned out not being his last ride. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk those games. Obviously, we'll talk about the Lions. Uh, they they kind of screwed up the number one draft pick by winning against Green Bay. That's okay though. I'm I'm uh, anytime they can beat Green Bay, I will I will take that any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we will get into Super Wild Card Weekend preview. We have six games coming up here Saturday, Sunday, and then for our first time in NFL history, we're going to have a Monday night playoff game, which is going to be really fun. I think they saved the best for last. That's going to be one of the better matchups of Wild Card Weekend. And then, as Alex mentioned at the end, we will talk a little bit about the college football national title game last night. Um, it was a very boring first half. It was, I think it was nine to six at the half, but then that, the last nine minutes of the fourth quarter. Definitely made up for it and definitely told the story of how the college football season went. But uh, first mm-hmm. things first. Week 18 review. I think we're going to go in order here from games. Uh, we're going to start off with the – we had two games on Saturday. We're going to lead it off with the Chiefs 28 and the Broncos 24. Um, it was a back-and-forth game. Uh, Kansas mm-hmm. City pulled away in the fourth quarter. Bronco kind of a little bit of window – Broncos a little bit of window dressing late to make it a, an interesting scoreline. Mahomes went 27 for 44, 270, and two touchdowns. He played the whole game. Also led the team in rushing with 54 rushing yards. I was really surprised to see Mahomes play the whole game. I understand the one seed was on the line if Tennessee would have lost or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole Hardman, eight grabs for 103. Uh, Kelsey had a little bit of an injury scare. He only had four grabs for 34 yards. Um, I believe Tyreek Hill tweaked something in the mm-hmm. uh, pregame warm-ups. They just wanted to be extra precautionary with him, obviously getting ready for Wild Card Weekend on Sunday. Uh, Drew Locke really struggled in his last game of the 2021 season, 12 of 24 for only 162 yards. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Tim Patrick, really the only bright spots for the Broncos. Uh, 12 grabs or 12 carries for 110 and a touchdown for Melvin Gordon. And uh, Tim Patrick almost hits the 100 yard mark, receiving with 95 on six, uh, six grabs. Uh, fumble return late by Nick Bolton really helped the Chiefs win this game. And for honestly, for a minute there, uh, you know, the Texans were hanging around with the Titans, and I thought that was really going to help Kansas City get into that one seed. Mm-hmm. With this game, I think Hill got in for a couple snaps, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, and he, he obviously appeared like he, you know, did something with that ankle. There was one 
he was running to the, I believe, the left side of the end zone, and it was apparent. I don't really understand the move to play him, uh, even just for a few snaps, if he had tweaked something in the warm-ups. Uh, you mentioned Nick Bolton, and I believe he's a rookie, correct? And we, mm-hmm. I believe I think so. We, we talked about him just this past offseason in our linebacker ranking um, for the draft class. And so it was good to, you know, kind of recognize the name and recognize, you know, a player that I believe was on my list. and um, 112 tackles this year for Nick Bolton. Wow. Very underrated. Um, a guy who, you know, is overshadowed by the likes of Micah Parson. And, you know, certainly there's been a lot of defensive rookies who have stepped up. Uh, Javon Holland comes to mind. I believe there's another uh, Miami Dolphins rookie who's been balling mm-hmm. out. Um, Jalen Phillips, local the- product from Miami University or University of Miami, the U. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Drew Locke's performance? And I believe he's a free agent or he he I, I don't see the team sticking with him after this, this year. This is not the right offense for Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. You can put you can put all kinds of weapons around any quarterback that you want, unless your name's Tom Brady, unless your name's Aaron Rodgers, unless your name's Patrick Mahomes. You can't glue any any set of stars for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think, you know, having talent guys like Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. Obviously, Court and Sutland, no offense, they didn't have the greatest seasons. They were they had a little bit of a down year compared to uh, years in 2020. But uh-huh. I just think it's time for Drew Locke to move on. Honestly, I, I'm starting to really realize, you know, that 2019 season where he came in and he went what it was what was it five and one over the last six games uh-huh. to really save the Broncos from you know being a really bad team. I'm uh-huh. starting to think that was almost a fluke of a year. But you know, maybe maybe he's a career backup. You know, maybe he gets uh-huh. a shot with one of these. You know. Teams that are rebuilding, you know, like, you know, maybe he quarterbacks the Giants if they want to move on from Daniel Jones. Or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he goes and, and plays down in Miami behind Tua with, you know, them with a shocking firing, which I, I can't believe that Brian Flores got fired. I, mean, I don't understand. You win eight of your last nine games. You're you're four and two against Bill Belichick in your career. Mm-hmm. And you get fired after an eight and nine season. It's horrible. That we're, we'll definitely be. You know, talking a little bit about that. We'll get into the coaching carousel next week because we have, I think we have an open segment next week. Maybe we'll talk about some of the coach coach firings and uh, possible, you know, new head coaches for those new teams or for those teams. Definitely. I believe we did something like that last year where we talked at least a little bit about who we'd like to see come to the Lions Mm -hmm. last season. Um, But Drew Locke, I don't know if it was necessarily a fluke that first year. Um, it looks that way now, but we all, I also have to remember he's been through so many injuries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems like shoulder. he's getting hurt every season. His shoulder, ankle, you know, you name it. It's uh, it's unfortunate, and injuries can really derail people's NFL careers. Mm-hmm. I, I still would like to see Drew Locke because he's shown, especially that first year, he's shown that he he's a different kind of quarterback. He's just got you know something about him that is is just unique. And in play style, and he could he could be um, if he goes into a different team, he could end up being you know a better player in a better system. The Broncos have not done the best uh, in years past with developing their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't even have. think Bridgewater's the right guy, honestly. I don't either. I I don't know what it's going to take in Denver. I think it would take Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. going to Denver. Um, there's, there's some good there. You know, we, we were talking, we'll be talking draft here coming up in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. There's five or six quarterbacks that could go in the first round. You know, there, there's guys out there that they could draft. They could draft a Malik Willis from Liberty, or they could mm-hmm. draft a Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, or, you know, maybe they get aggressive, you know, Matt Corral sprained his ankle in that sugar bowl. I know it's hard to believe that we probably already forgot about it. It happened 10 days ago. 
mm-hmm. know, his stock's going to fall, obviously, with, with an injury coming into the league. You know, he was, he was up there. He was up there possibly going to be the second, maybe even the first quarterback off the board in the draft, but maybe he falls down to a Denver. And I think they're picking in the mid-teens, and maybe maybe Matt Corral is the guy that turns the Bronco franchise around. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on here to our second of the Saturday night doubleheader games. We had the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, this game was really close in the first half, but and then um, Dallas just ended up blowing Philly away at the end. Um, they really weren't – I think they could only go as high as maybe the three or the four seed with a win. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't understand. I, I understand the rivalry. I understand that's probably why Prescott played the whole game. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he threw for five touchdowns, 21 to 27, 295 yards. Um, Zeke probably had one of his better games of the season so far, 18 mm-hmm. carries for 87 yards rushing. Uh, Cedric Wilson, five grabs, 119, two of those uh, five grabs being touchdowns. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be a big piece in if on um, whether if this team, this Dallas Cowboy team, makes it far or not. You know, they lost Michael Gallup to the ACL injury uh, against the Cardinals last last week, mm-hmm. and Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper, they just almost haven't been there the last few weeks. So I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on there. Maybe Cedric Wilson is going to be the guy to step up. Speaking of Cooper, he had five grabs for seventy nine yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts sat the entire game. Uh, Gardner Minshew came in nineteen of thirty three, one eighty six, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Gainwell had a really good game with twelve carries for seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Not much going on, like I mentioned for the second half of Philly. It was like a, I think it was a twenty four seventeen game at the half, and then Dallas just ended up you know kicking into another gear and ended up blowing Philly out. Dak Prescott mm-hmm. and the Cowboys were celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. That just shows how much this rivalry means, and and that just shows why I'm they, they I don't like the Cowboys. They're just an arrogant group and mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing that against you know I understand it's your rival, but you're playing for nothing basically. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that it was 51-26 in light of, you know, the Eagles being a surprise entry into the playoffs. Um, they they seemed like they, you know, had some, you know, fire in them late in the season. But looking at this game, the Eagles really have shown they cannot contend at all, and they should not be in any type of Super Bowl consideration, in my opinion. This was their game that were, where, you know, they had a chance to, you know, prove why they were making the playoffs. They're going to be easy first round exit now, and especially playing the Bucks. <laughs> this, this, this should have been the game where they, you know, showed what they're capable of, and and it just shows that they're still young. Maybe next season if they get some, you know, more pieces, they've definitely got, you know, guys that I enjoy watching. In you know, obviously Darius Slay being there, Devontae Smith has been. Um, incredible his connection with hurts that's the mm-hmm. best part of their whole offense there's Boston, just not they need a second guy they I'm do sorry, quez Watkins isn't that guy you can't throw no. the ball to dallas goddard every play you know mm-hmm. zacharis isn't walking back into that door anytime soon mm-hmm. you've got pieces in philly but out of the two playoff teams making it from the state of pennsylvania uh the steelers and philadelphia they're my bottom two playoff teams. oh for sure yeah all right, moving on here um, to the Steelers and the Ravens. You know, this game had – it had a little bit, you know, on the line, but obviously results happening in Jacksonville and then the Sunday night game in Las Vegas really made this an important game, um, even though this game was one of the first games played of the Sunday window. Uh, it was a 16-13 final in overtime the Steelers to get the win. Uh, Big Ben, you know, he's going to get his one last ride for a playoff game. You know, we thought maybe this was going to be his last game. If this was his last game, though, he didn't play that bad, I didn't think. 30-44, 2-44, touchdown and a pick. Um, mm-hmm. 11 carries for 28 yards for Najee Harris, which was really shocking, you know, to see the conditions that they played in and to look at the box score and say that he only had 28 yards and for them to still get a win was just incredible, I think, and an incredible fight by the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Uh, Deontay Johnson, by, uh, seven grabs for 51 yards. Claypool ends up scoring a touchdown thrown by Big Ben. I believe it was on a slant route in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Tyler Huntley in his last start of the 2021 season, 16 of 31, 141 yards, two interceptions. He did add 72 rushing yards, though. Uh, the, the guy that really carried this team, though, was Latavius Murray. He had 16 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown. I believe that touchdown was like a 70-plus yard touchdown as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Mark Andrews, eight grabs for 85 yards. Um, you know, man, they really – these Steelers fans, they had to sweat out that Sunday night game. But uh, we'll talk about that much more in detail later. Mm-hmm. Seeing the Ravens miss the playoffs was disappointing for me. An 8-3 and three my, start. I mean – They were one of my favorite teams at the start of the year, and they, uh, they really, you know – got derailed by Lamar's injuries, by COVID, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, they started off already, you know, in a bit of a hole with they, three of their running backs just yeah. tearing their ACLs off the bat. And their secondary has been falling apart since mm-hmm. they lost. They lost, they lost Peters. They lost Peters and they lost Humphrey, I believe. And they might have even lost, you know, their third guy there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was the most disappointing part was yeah. just seeing them, you know, it, it it sucks when a team, you know, loses on the field, but in the Ravens' case this season, a lot, a lot of it came down to losing off the mm-hmm. practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just sad. You know, they were eight and three. They had that Thursday night game in Miami, mm-hmm. and then that's just when it went downhill. You know, the the Dolphins watched enough film, or they they picked up some tendencies. Maybe that the Lions threw out there when they played in Week Three. Uh-huh. They, they ended up zero blitzing Lamar Jackson. That started the Dolphins' seven-game – or really ascended the Dolphins' seven-game win streak. Uh-huh. And then that really just – that was the last really, you know, game that the Ravens really were in. And they really weren't even in it for more than, like, two and a half quarters. And then, you know, Lamar gets COVID. And then, okay, you know, think, okay, Lamar's going to come back. And then he gets hurt, and they get blown out in Cleveland. Uh-huh. And then it was just over from there. Huntley – Huntley is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I think this guy can be a starter somewhere for, for mm-hmm. maybe a lower contending team. Yep. But the, I, the two-point conversions still boggle my mind. The one that they tried in Pittsburgh and then the one that they had where they had the Packers on the ropes. Mm-hmm. You know, you turn those two wins around. They finish 8-9. Nine, 9 and 8 gets you into the – it at least gives you a shot to be on the outside looking in. Yeah. To get into and, the playoffs uh, instead of being eliminated, basically, because you, you don't have an offense. If they would have, you know, won both those games, they'd be sitting here at 10-7. and seven, So mm-hmm. they'd be in. Yeah. And uh, that – that to me is what is, you know, there. That's what comes down to the coaching. A lot can be blamed on injuries, but those two are the mind boggling things that kept them out of the playoffs that happened on the field. All right, moving on here to the final Lions breakdown of the 2021 season. Mm. Uh, we really we wanted to lose this game to get the number one overall pick, but honestly, in my mind, I didn't think Jacksonville had a shot against Indianapolis. Uh-huh. I mean, I know you had the whole stat of, oh, you know, Indianapolis hasn't won in Jacksonville in seven years. And, uh-huh. you know, Carson Wentz is going to pull a Carson Wentz. Well, well, Carson Wentz definitely did that. If he, he played like garbage, you know, like the garbage uh-huh. quarterback that everybody thinks he is. The only reason he has a Super Bowl ring is because Foles carried him after that ACL injury. He hasn't been the same uh-huh. since. But anyways, the Lions had a shot with a loss to move into the number one pick. Mm-hmm. What do they do in typical Lions fashion? They go out and beat the number one seed in the NFC playoffs and uh, potentially the team that represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They beat them 37 to 30. Yes, it's the Green Bay Packers. It seems like we always play the Packers either week 17, week 16, and it's always a home game. And it seems like this team always finds a way to win when they don't really need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a way to end out 2021. 
Uh, the trick plays were a nice touch. Tom Kennedy, that guy has a cannon for an arm. That was really fun to watch. Uh, Jared Goff played, you know, like Jared Goff plays, it seems like, this year against big teams. He basically had a mirror game to the game that he played against the Cardinals where the mm-hmm. Lions won when they really were sure of either. Uh, 21 of 30, 238, two touchdowns for Goff. Uh, Jamal Williams is the leading rusher, 13 carries for 43 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown, eight grabs for 109 yards and a touchdown. He keeps that 80-yard streak going. I believe it was up to six games now to end the season. He broke Roy Williams' Lions rookie record for mm. most receiving yards in a season. Now, that, that was really hard for me to believe that Roy Williams had that record because, you know, mm-hmm. we've had guys like Herman Moore, Kenny Galladay, and obviously Megatron, you know, as rookies. And mm-hmm. they never – and that is just crazy to think that Amara St. Brown is a fourth-round draft pick. He was one of the first picks on day three of the draft. Yeah. And I'm starting to think this guy was an absolute steal. I, 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 I liked was. the draft pick when they got him. I obviously watched his tape at USC. He had a, I believe he had a four-touchdown game and just one half against Washington State last year for USC. Mm-hmm. But to pick him up in the fourth round, this guy could have been a first, end of the first round, second round receiver. I think if they mm-hmm. would have played a full season last year due to COVID, obviously with the Pac-12. But mm-hmm. you put him, I was, I was talking to some of my friends on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. You put Amara St. Brown, you, you're going to, obviously, you're probably going to take Thibodeau or Hutchison, or maybe I've heard rumors, rumors that Pickett could be going number two. You take either three of those mm-hmm. guys at number two. You take a receiver like a Jahan Dotson, like a Chris Olave from Ohio State. Traylon Burks is a popular name from Arkansas. He tore up mm-hmm. Alabama's secondary. Another guy, Drake London, another USC wide receiver. You take any four of those guys, you pair them with Amara St. Brown, and you get a decent free agent wide receiver to be a slot mm-hmm. guy or something, and you get a healthy DeAndre Swift and a decent Jared Goff. I think this team can win six or seven games next year. I would love to take Kenny Pickett at the second overall. I don't know if that's what we're in talks for. But getting a receiver in the back half of the round is exactly what we need to do, despite what our first pick is, whether it's Pickett, whether it's a Thibodeau, whatever happens with that first pick is not my main concern. It's it's getting a good receiver because if you we we could have a really good offense. Hawkinson, Swift. Yeah, I didn't even mention Hawkinson. You know, he didn't play the last what four games of the mm-hmm. season. Those are those are four. So we already have, I would say St. Brown. I would say Hawkinson and Swift. Those would be Cephas. What, you know, we, we forget Cephas broke his exactly. what broke his foot in like week five. This this offense could be really good, and I would even go as far to say as if we get that number two guy, we have good depth in the likes of Reynolds is a mm-hmm. been a surprise receiver for us. We've had you know the likes of Khalif Raymond has had some phenomenal plays, which I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. So we, we have some underrated depth guys. If we get a big name guy in this draft at receiver to pair with St. Brown, we're going to be, I think we're going to be good. And I would love to take Pickett as the future. And I think we would have a really good uh, team. And it's not even talking of, you know, we haven't even mentioned the offensive line, obviously rag now uh, got hurt early in the season. Mm-hmm. Sewell had one of the best rookie seasons. I think I've seen from a tackle in uh-huh. a long time. You got Taylor Decker who, you know, if he stays healthy, he's good. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Vitae, the other tackle position. If he stays mm-hmm. healthy, you got a solid line. You just need to pick up maybe another guard or something, mm-hmm. or whether you pick him up in free agency or in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the only holes really on the team are: do you need a linebacker, and mm-hmm. obviously pass rushing because Oyewariye just absolutely proved me wrong this season and proved a lot of people wrong. I think in this city, Tracy Walker, veteran leader, he made the interception to clinch it on Sunday. He's going to be around for a little bit. The, the only question, other only other question mark in that back four is Jeff Okuda. Yeah, is fun. he gonna is he gonna play sixteen games next season? And if he plays sixteen games next season, 
is he going to do anything? Is he going to live up to his number three draft pick? Mm-hmm. Because he's coming into his third season. He's only got two more years to prove himself. The mm-hmm. Lions will not pick up his fifth year option if he does not have a good, at least one, if not two, great seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw an interesting stat I also wanted to talk about uh, listening to the post game show uh, on mm-hmm. the way home on Sunday. The Lions went for it. Dan Campbell went for it the most on fourth down in NFL history for a single season, which really blew my mind. The thing that also, which what I thought was even more impressive than that, the Lions have converted the most fourth down conversions in league history by any team mm-hmm. in a single season. That makes me really excited for the future because Dan Campbell wants to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's not Brandon Staley, and he's not going for it fourth and two from his own 21-yard line. And yes, we may have questioned some of his decisions in the beginning of the season, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first Chicago game in week four, you know, he went for it on fourth and two down 10 with two minutes mm-hmm. to go instead of kicking a field goal. I believe he had a situation in the Minnesota game um, playing in Minneapolis where he had kind of the same situation that almost cost him the game. But you know, at the end of the season, he got really aggressive. They, they had a couple fourth down calls in that game um, Sunday. They converted them. And if you convert your fourth downs and you pick the right moments, you're going to score touchdowns that's going to lead you to get wins. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the schedule for next year. We kind of got lucky. We got our other cross division. Our cross division is the AFC East. Mm. So we get the Jets and we get the Dolphins. I think, honestly, we can win both those games. The Patriots and the Bills, there's no way we win. And then mm-hmm. NFC East is our other cross division. So you're playing the Giants and the Jets yeah. and the Washington football team. That's Even three the wins. That's three wins right there. Mm-hmm. Minnesota and Chicago, they're going to have new coaches. I think we can win at least one game against them, if not two. That's five wins before we even talk about anybody else. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of very promise, a promising, more promising future than I would have said two or three weeks ago for this team, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then I... Rodgers played a half, which just blew my mind. Why? Mm-hmm. 14 and 18, 138 and two touchdowns. I bet he was quite frustrated to watch Jordan Love through two interceptions in the fourth quarter. I know that game didn't matter, but you know Rodgers, he wants to win everything he can. I hate Rodgers, man. I, I don't. I have no shame in saying that. I, I honestly, I was watching the last two minutes of the game, and I honestly thought, you know what? What if they put Aaron Rodgers back in the game? I wouldn't have been surprised. Winning. It wouldn't have surprised me. That's why I crossed my mind. I, I honestly, when I, I just saw the um, like the box score before I watched any of the highlights. The way, you know, the way it looked for me was like, oh, maybe Jordan Love started the game. Just in my mind, processing. Because I don't even understand why you played Rodgers in this game. I understand it's because he wants to win. Lafleur said, quote, keep him fresh. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Rodgers just wants to play and wants to win. And, you know, I can't say I blame him. I'm a competitive person, too. But in this game, there was no, there was no consequence to a win or a loss here. So, it's... It, Pointless, but like I said, so I look at the you know the box score. I look at you know who had what. I almost thought maybe Rodgers came in as, as a last ditch effort to try to win the game. That's what crossed my mind. But then obviously watching the highlights, I realized you know that wasn't how it went down. But I wouldn't have been surprised if they started Jordan Love and Rodgers was like, all right, I've had enough, and and, and came back in. Mm. Just, just crazy that he ended up. I mean, my my thought process is I heard beginning of the week, you know, he was going to play, and uh-huh. I just automatically thought he was going to play the whole game. But I was thinking to myself, could you imagine if he would? I understand he's playing the Lions, and we don't have the greatest pass rush in the world. Could you imagine if he would have gotten hurt though? That's that's what I'm saying. Why even risk it? The exactly. Thirteen and three, you go into the game at thirteen and three. You had locked up the one seed. You had locked up the first round by and all that you know, home field and all that stuff. Why even play him? 
doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, they, they escaped a further injury. They, they didn't win the game, but obviously the seating was already all locked up. Now we got to get to the game of the week, the game of the night. And honestly, the last regular season game was the game of the season. It was the Raiders 35, the Chargers 32, final in overtime. We joked about it on the podcast last week. A lot of people on radio and TV experts had joked about it all week. America almost got its wish. Mm-hmm. We almost got a tie in this game. We so close. I really wanted a tie in this game. So, so bad. Uh, mm-hmm. there, we're going to have a lot of conspiracy theorists people after this game, I think. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really think this game may have made a lot of people weary of a lot of things, you know, theory wise. I, I only watched the last five minutes of regulation and then all of overtime, but it was definitely well worth it. Um, I mentioned Brandon Staley when we were talking to Dan Campbell. He's a very aggressive coach for going for it on fourth and two from his own 21. Mm-hmm. Down by, I believe he was down it by six at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herbert, 34 of 64. Yes, Herbert threw the ball 64 times on Sunday for 383 yards. He threw for three touchdowns, and he did throw an interception. I, that interception at the time was it was a 12-point game with about 10 minutes to go, and I thought that really sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but an incredible show of fight by the defense holding um, the Vegas Raiders to a field goal. Herbert marches down quickly, scores a touchdown, gets a two-point conversion. They get a three and out. They almost got a fumble by Derek Carr, which would have gave them great field position in the red zone with about three, I think with about maybe three and a half to go. But the Chargers go on a 19-play drive. For, I think it was an 84-yard or 64-yard drive. 19 plays took up like three and a half minutes, took up all the clock in a, a regulation. They got a, he got a roughing the passer on fourth and nine at one point to extend this chains. Uh, a couple incredible catches on the sidelines on third and fourth down. And then to throw an absolute bullet to Mike Williams uh, to score a touchdown to end up, you know, barring the extra point to tie the game on the last play of regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin Eckler had 16 carries for 64 yards, had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Uh, I mentioned Mike Williams, nine grabs for 119 and a touchdown. He almost had that crazy one-hander in OT to win it, you know, almost mm-hmm. tipping the ball to himself. That would have been one of the greatest catches of all time if he would have pulled that in. Mm-hmm. I mentioned they were down 15 midway through the third quarter and, the, and then the fumble. Uh, Carr, 20-36, 186, two touchdown passes. Uh, Renfro, he had two touchdowns. I kind of, I kind of called a bigger game for him. Obviously, with this being the five-year anniversary of, yeah, or Sunday being the five-year anniversary of the Clemson Alabama title game, where he caught the game winner from Deshaun Watson. He still had two touchdowns, only four grabs for 13 yards though. Uh, Jacobs had his best game of 2021, 26 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown. Overtime was absolutely wild. I loved the NBC crew who was doing the game. They kept showing there was a couple Steeler fans in attendance, and you could just see the emotion in their faces. Like with like four or five minutes to go in the game, they were getting nervous, man. Because if if obviously if you you know if you forgot all the scenarios and everything, Pittsburgh would have been out if they would have tied. Yeah, and that would have been so sad to watch. Uh, both kickers, um, it was 29-29 going in overtime. Both kickers knocked in, I believe, 45-plus-yard field goals that almost hit off the exact same upright. Mm-hmm. But they both snuck in. Um, the, like I mentioned, the Steelers fans' reactions are absolutely priceless. Um, so Raiders get the ball back with about two and a half to go in overtime. And, mm-hmm. you know, you think, okay, they're just going to run the clock out and they're going to shake hands and tie. Uh, the Chargers call timeout because Staley didn't like the personnel out there, and Jacobs gets a seven-yard carry with about 45 seconds left. They call timeout. Mm-hmm. Carlson knocks through a 47-yard field goal. That guy went five for five on Sunday night. Mm. He has not missed a kick at Allegiant Stadium in his career. That's crazy. And so we got Raiders-Bengals next week in the 5-4 matchup. But behind Cardinals and Rams, I think that's going to be the second-best matchup of Wild Card mm-hmm. Weekend. 
I agree. I'm excited to see, you know, the Raiders make it, but I'm absolutely bummed for Chargers fans and mm-hmm. be, wanting Justin Herbert to make the playoffs. I believe they just missed it last season too. Um, but this, this, this was the worst possible way to go out, you know, being so close to a tie, him already leading that drive to, you know, even send it to a tie. And then just really, it wasn't at all in Herbert's hands on that last, you know, drive. It was all up to the defense. And that timeout was, was what could be controversial. I think, you know, with Brandon Staley taking that timeout, if the Raiders were going to let that wind down um, and let more time off, do you think they still would have kicked a field goal? Because once he took that timeout, it seemed like there was, you know, maybe more tension. They go back out there. Jacobs runs that play. Maybe, you know, maybe there was some, you know, agreement that they were going to let it run down. And Staley calling that timeout was like, no, I'm going to be competitive. Or mm-hmm. maybe that, you know, maybe that's what sent the message of, I'm going to make sure, you know, whatever, I, I can still win. You could tell watching the game, you know, when they got that first down, I think he, I think Carr threw a pass to, to Jones, I believe it was, on the uh-huh. sideline. Yeah. You could tell once they started that, you know, three three series play, or that three uh, sequence, play sequence, that they were just content on running the clock out. Uh-huh. And then I don't know if it was the Raiders being like, hey, you know, they're calling timeout. They're trying to be aggressive. So yeah. well, let's let us be aggressive. That's because what I thought. Josh Jacobs run the ball, you know, he would run the ball. The offensive line would block for a couple seconds. And he was just waiting to get tackled. Especially on that first down play, he lost four yards on first and ten, mm. and then turned it around with like a seven yard carry after that. It's just, but I mean, all the yeah, Carlson would have tried a sixty yarder, knowing Carlson, he probably would have made it. But you know, it was it was definitely interesting to see them go out there and you know, almost the Chargers almost letting them get that ten yards, and then yeah. ended up winning the game on the field goal. It was definitely an interesting finish, and it the the finish wasn't as good as the rest of the game. The mm, game was no. phenomenal. But that last couple of plays was just like all that tension just subsided. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But still, game of the year candidate, phenomenal. The playoff implications, the tension the um, of that game, I don't think can be matched no, by I, I any agree. of the games. Um, that being said, though, one more time, just want to say, you know, bummed out for the Chargers and bummed out for Justin Herbert, man. He had a phenomenal, you know, year two, phenomenal rookie season. Do you think the Chargers will make it next year and finally, you know, get over that hump? I mean, they have to. You know, they, they had a lot of heartbreakers this year. They they should have beaten the Chiefs on that Thursday night. You know, mm-hmm. they went into Arrowhead in week three and they won. You know, you look back uh, at some of their games in September. Should have beaten the Browns. They they played that. Uh, what was it? It was like a forty-two to thirty-eight kind of game with the Browns. It was way back in probably what week four, week five. Yeah, it was early. You know, that was an incredible game. You look back, uh, the Bengals. The Bengals game. They were they somehow won that game. I I don't know how they won that game. Yeah, almost blown a twenty-one nothing lead and everything. But there was just you look back at their some of their games during the season. They played that Monday nighter against uh, the Raiders, and mm-hmm. I believe they lost that game in overtime. Uh huh. It was just, you know, one or two of those games flip and you're in. Mm -hmm. But it's unfortunate, you know. With this week 18 and the teams being closer, you can really kind of see more of the mistakes Mm -hmm. that, you know, will will separate you from the, you know, narrowly making it in. Even last season we saw, I believe, the Dolphins missed the playoffs last year at 10-6. You could see now, you know, with three or four teams being on that bubble in week 18 – and all the playoff implications, 
you could see what games, looking back, cost certain teams this uh, opportunity. Definitely for sure. You know, it's great to see the Ben Roethlisberger is going to be able to get in, you know, mm-hmm. for that one last game. They're going to get destroyed against Kansas City. But, I mean, it would have been definitely more interesting to see Chargers and Chiefs. But, hey, man, I mean, maybe maybe next year, you know. There's a couple guys on defense that they've lost in the last couple of years. They lost, obviously, um, Desmond King to the mm-hmm. to the trade when they were still rebuilding a little bit. Bosa mm-hmm. didn't have the season that Joey Bosa usually has. Mm-hmm. Uh, the linebacking core really couldn't stay healthy. They traded Ingram. They traded Melvin Ingram. Derwin James wasn't Derwin James this season. Mm-hmm. Definitely some improvements in the draft, and maybe a picking up a free agent or two. Because if I if I was looking at free agent destinations, LA I think would be one of the top destinations. Especially oh, yeah. if I was a defensive player, you look at the electric offense they have. They have Justin Herbert going into year three, Keenan Allen in his prime, Mike Williams had you know the greatest season probably of his young career so far. Mm-hmm. Eckler being a great running back, Justin Jackson being an even better third down option. You know, especially catching the ball. Uh, Guyton and Palmer, they had great seasons. Uh, Jared mm-hmm. Cook, you know, he's, he may retire, but Donald Parham, he he'd show moments this year when healthy that he could mm-hmm. he could step up to the plate if needed. Definitely. This, this Charger team could win 10, 11 games next year if they get mm-hmm. the right defense and if Staley can just keep coaching the way he is. Definitely. All right, I'm excited for their future. Oh, for sure. You know, the future's bright in both, both teams in L.A., you know? Mm-hmm. All right, moving on here to Super Wild Card Weekend Preview. Uh, Saturday, we're going to kick it off at 4.30 with a, the aforementioned 5-4 matchup in the AFC. It's the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to Cincinnati for Cincinnati's first home playoff game, I believe, since 2015 when they played mm-hmm. the Steelers in that epic wild card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4.30, Raiders, Bengals, Saturday afternoon. Who do you got? Bengals. And this is because I've, you know, I've been rocking with the Bengals all season. I've been, you know, saying that Joe Burrow is my favorite quarterback, and I can't turn on, you know, the the, the bandwagon I've joined. You know, that's just not right for the year. Um, but seriously, though, I like the Raiders. They've been through a lot of hardships. I was always saying the Bengals were too young. They proved me wrong against the Chiefs. That's the game that, you know, convinced me. They had a, a, a loss to the Browns this week. Um, but that's just due to, you know, I believe Burrow didn't play. Yeah. I believe maybe even a couple more of their players were out. But this this week, I know the Raiders have fought. I don't see them, you know, hanging around with the Bengals. The the high-octane offense of the Bengals has been the highlight with Jamar Chase and Burrow reestablishing their connection. Um, Mixon's had a phenomenal year. Then not, that's not even to mention guys like T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd's been phenomenal. Uzama showed up in uh, – games when they needed him to. And then this defense, they've got guys like Hendrick Hendrickson is in the top, you know, um, Sam Hubbard, Eli Sam Apple. Hubbard, uh, Jesse Bates, one of my favorite young uh, secondary players. And the, those are the guys who I feel like have really, you know, stepped up. And this was a team we talked about just last year as not knowing it. It's one of those teams where like, who, who could you name on this defense? And we could only name Hubbard at that time. Um, they've stepped up when it counts, but this offense of the Bengals is just going to be more dominant. I have no doubt the Raiders will play a good game. They've shown that all season. Sadly, this is going to be the one that, you know, puts, puts this wild season to an end for them. Mm-hmm. This game is going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I think behind uh, Cardinals and Rams, I already mentioned that mm-hmm. uh, the Raiders, the Raiders motto has been fighting back all year, you know, rolling with the punches, you know, mm-hmm. you look back to obviously the whole John Gruden thing that feels like that was about, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. Henry Ruggs, that feels like even longer ago since they lost Henry Ruggs. Uh, but their magic season is going to end. The Bengals are an absolute freaking wagon. 
Mm-hmm. I think the Bengals are going to win 34 to 21. Burrow is going to continue his hot form, 325, three mm-hmm. touchdowns. I don't think he turns the ball over on Saturday. I think Jamar Chase has another 100-plus yard receiving game with two touchdowns. Uh, Mixon's going to catch the other one in the air, and I think he has a rushing touchdown as well. Carter's going to struggle, 225, two touchdowns, two picks. I think Jacobs has a 75-yard game with a touchdown. I think Waller and Renfro are in the end zone. You know, mm-hmm. better, better luck next year for the Raiders, I think, is that they've been a possible outside contender in 2022 and beyond. I have a question for you. Do you think mm-hmm. they, they take the interim tag off of Rich Baseni, or do you think they take – you know, I've heard rumors that, that Jim Harbaugh is possibly a guy out there for the Raiders to go get. Mm. I, I wouldn't mind Jim Harbaugh making a return to the NFL. I'd love to see him leave Ann Arbor. I know that. I, I definitely would as well. Um, even, you know – just remembering back to his days as the 49ers head coach, it would be awesome to see him, you know, maybe have some matchups against John again in the NFL. Um, I don't know though. Uh, the interim tag being removed would be a good thing. And if they learn anything from the lions, I love Dan Campbell, but Daryl Bevel, um, could, when he got, you know, his chance as an OC in, in the lions, we just let him go. I felt like that was a bad decision. We should have let him, you know, at least stay on the team. If they don't remove the interim tag, do not pitch him from the team. Mm-hmm. Keep him. I wish we would have kept Bevel as our OC instead of Anthony yeah. Lynn. Yeah, because and Anthony Lynn is no longer. And not even with us. So if they're going to learn anything from the Lions, which you really shouldn't learn anything from the Lions and take no advice from them. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's to at least keep him in the organization if you don't just go ahead and move interim tag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, he, he was a special teams coach, I believe it was what it was. So, you know, see him yeah. go back into that role. You know, just to watch him to watch him coach on Sunday night, that's the first time I've really, you know, been in-depth watching a Raider game this season ever since mm-hmm. he took over. You know, just, he brings that energy, and I really like that. You know, he brings – special teams coaches, they always have that juice. Mm-hmm. I like just – I like him bringing that to the entire team. And, you know, I think that really helped them fight on to a playoff spot. It definitely helped with that energy of, like you're saying, you know, coming, fighting back from the adversity. And he definitely has that fire. Um, if if Jim Harbaugh doesn't go to the Raiders, he could also go somewhere else. I'm thinking so, the Bears. The Bears drafted him. Definitely. He could go there. Um, I, I The Dolphins I, has already been ruled out. Steven Ross, uh, the owner of the Dolphins, is a Michigan uh-huh. alum. And he's already come out and said that he's not, he's not uh, taking that, uh, Harbaugh away from Ann Arbor. Probably wants him to stay there. I don't know why, though. I mean, they did have, you know, they I mean, made they, the Final Four. But... They beat Ohio State this year for the first time. It's the best mm-hmm. season they've had in a long time. You know, if he stays, it's good. It's great for them. But if he leaves, that that program's going to go downhill quick. I think. Oh, yeah. definitely. All right, moving on here to the Saturday night matchup, eight fifteen. We have the six seeded Patriots against the three seeded Bills. This game's going to be fun. We had that snow, wind, bowl, whatever we want to call that, a couple weeks ago on Monday night. I think it was the first week of December. Uh, the bets, that match, I believe, went to the Patriots, but who do you got winning this more important game? I think they, they split the series this year. Mm-hmm. Both road teams, I believe, won, if I'm not mistaken. The Patriots on the road? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I have the Patriots in this game. It's probably going to be another game with that weather condition. But Bill Belichick is different in the playoffs, and the Bills have not yet proven themselves in the playoffs. I don't want to see them necessarily have this first-round exit. They made it to the championship game last year. They made it, I believe, to the divisional round the year before. This year, though, they're going to go out in the first round, and the Patriots, Bill Belichick, you know, Mac Jones is going to get his first playoff win. 
it's it's going to be a game that's carried, I think, by the running backs of the Patriots. A lot like, you know, that first matchup with the weather. It came down to, you know, Mac Jones only throwing, I want to say, three passes in that game. Or completing three, I think it was. But this game will be um, one of the better games, but not the best. I, there's no doubt this rivalry is, you know, what's going to make this game. But in terms of matchups, we've already seen this twice, and they weren't the best. Who knows, though? Anyone could win this game, and the and I just personally would would rather see the Patriots. And I personally have the Patriots. Yeah, this is going to be a typical game in January in Western New York. I believe I heard temperatures are going to be in the single digits. Oh, uh, it's going to be fun to watch that stadium be full. Obviously, they played the playoff, they played the divisional, and they played the wild card game there last year due to COVID. I think they only had like maybe 10,000 fans in attendance, but to see New Era Field full of you know, crazy Buffalo Bills fans are going to be breaking tables. They're going to oh, be, boy. you know, they're going to be having some fun very early Saturday morning until this game kicks off at 8:15 on Saturday night, but I don't see the Patriots going into that hostile environment for for a home playoff game with a full attendance for Buffalo. You know, they haven't had that in a very, very long time. Mm. Uh, the Patriots have no chance in this game to win. I think it's going to be a closer game. I think it's going to be 24 to 17. Uh, Allen, 225 on the passing end, 50 rushing yards, three total touchdowns. He's going to have two rushing and a pass. Uh, Gabe Davis is going to score the touchdown. I think he's going to have the bigger game out of the, you know, big two between him and uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh-huh. Uh, not much going on in the run game, which is basically Ben's story of the Bills season, unless your name's Josh Allen. Uh, Mac Jones, 175, a touchdown, two picks. I think Damian Harris has 85 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Hunter Henry is going to score the lone receiving touchdown, and this possibly could set up for us a Bills and Chiefs matchup next Sunday, which Mm. would be very fun to watch. All right, moving on here to the first of our Sunday triple header games. we got Sunday at 1 p.m., probably one of the more boring matchups of the weekend. The seven-seeded Eagles are going to travel down to Tampa to take on the two-seeded Bucks. So, so I think the better question would be how many points are the Bucks going to win by? I'm going 35-40. If we saw what the the Cowboys did to them, 51. They, I, the Cowboys obviously have a very high octane offense. They've got a lot of, but the Buccaneers, they've had young players step up in the absence of you know Godwin with the injury and um, Antonio Brown having whatever happened with him. The Bucks versus the Eagles. This is a matchup I didn't think we'd be getting in playoff time. Um, this is a game I would have thought would have been one of those trap games. The Bucks are going to dominate. Yeah, this is definitely – thank goodness this is in the early Sunday window. Maybe a lot of people aren't going to be watching it. They they see the matchup and they just think, okay, Patriots by, you know, 20 or 25 or whatever the number may uh-huh. be. Um, you know, they have a lot of injuries at wide receiver. You know, obviously Evans has been playing the last couple of weeks, but he hasn't been playing at 100%. Godwin's done for the year. You have the whole deal with Antonio Brown. You know, uh, Gronk stepped up big in the last couple weeks. Cyril Grayson mm-hmm. stepped up big as well. Tyler Johnson, a uh, name I hadn't heard pretty much all season, uh, got a significant touch against Carolina on Sunday. Scotty Miller, who was a big guy. I remember I remember having a lot of praise on him uh, in the Super Bowl, you know, going into the Super Bowl last year. Uh, but I think this is going to be a, a lower-scoring game. The Bucks are going to win 28-13 to for Tampa to move on. Uh, Brady, 235, two touchdowns. I think Gronk and then the aforementioned Silo Grayson are going to score the two touchdowns. Uh, Leonard Fournette, 90 yards and a touchdown, I think. Hurts, not much going for him. 150 pass, 50 rushing. Uh, passing touchdown, an interception, and I think he does fumble as well. 
Uh, they're going to get their hurts a lot in this game. Seven times, I believe, is the Bucks. Bucks defense is going to feast on this young Eagles offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Devontae Smith's really going to be the only bright spot, I think, in this game, other than maybe Jalen Hurts with 75 rushing or receiving yards and a touchdown. Just mm-hmm. to keep this somewhat close, I think the um, Eagles are going to keep it close maybe for a half or so, and then you can see the Bucks pull away late. Mm-hmm. I what I learned from the Bucks last season when it came to playoff time. They just entered a different mode. They've got a lot of injuries now, which is the only real difference maker, I think, this season to last season. It's going to be interesting, but if Tom Brady and this team reach that form, they're going to be dangerous, and the Eagles are going to be the first team to maybe, you know, get, you know, on the receiving end of that. Yeah. All right, moving on here to uh, one of the more interesting matchups, I think, of Wild Card Weekend. Sunday at 430 is the NFC version of the 5-4 matchup. We have the 49ers taking on the Cowboys. Who do you have in this game? I've been impressed with some of the 49ers' victories. I believe they beat the Bengals in a very close one. They they beat, you know, obviously the um, – who do they just play? They beat the, the Rams. Rams. Stafford, you know, dropped the ball quite literally in that, you know, uh, finale for them. And they I believe they had a couple other close victories that just, you know, throughout the season – they won in in impressive ways without being, you know, necessarily the best team. Uh, Debo Samuel has had a phenomenal season. Kittle is a monster, and him returning to the field was huge. The first game he was in, you could tell, you know, just how much he, you know, contributes to this team and um, how important he is to have the defense. The Fred Warner's phenomenal middle linebacker. Uh, you got both a great comeback season phenomenal compared to, you know, um, what did he play one game last year before he got Yeah, I think he played maybe one and a half. They've they've had, you know, uh, a hard – I kind of feel bad for the 49ers because they made that Super Bowl versus the Chiefs, and and, and they were the surprise team that year to make the Super Bowl. They they were a good team, but not the one I would have picked coming out of the NFC. They – last year they had a down year. They might have – they, the, the this start of this year that wasn't that good, but they turned it around. They made the playoffs. They beat some of the teams that you know are already in the playoffs, like the Bengals, like you know, uh, the the Rams, obviously in that Rams matchup. Rams beat them twice, I think, as well. I, I believe so. They beat so, them on that Monday night in uh, San Francisco. They they clearly can beat the Rams. They clearly, if it came down to a Bengals forty nine Super Bowl, they they could you know, beat the Bengals. Out of these teams, I wouldn't say 49ers have the best roster, but they're they're they might be the most dangerous team coming in here and disrupting a lot. And it's good to see them get back to this form. Like I mentioned, they made the Super Bowl. They haven't been the same since injuries. They they could beat the Cowboys here, but ultimately I have to go with Dallas. They've got luck in the playoffs. The refs always help them out. We know that as Lions fans. Um, Dak Prescott's comeback player of the year, I think, no question. And, you know, if if their offense can hit the, you know, C.D. Lamb, you mentioned, has got to step up. Cooper's been good. They've got Schultz, who's basically, in my mind, a Jason Winton 2.0. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then your defense with Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs. It's, it's, this matchup is crazy because it's kind of like – not to say the 49ers don't necessarily have the star power, but they really don't outside of Samuel and Kittle. 
have like the flashiest roster. They've got Jimmy G as quarterback. Um, then you look at the other side in Dallas America's team. This was one of those rivalries in I believe the eighties and nineties that was huge. This is going to be a very good matchup. It's going to be that star power versus that, you know, underdog, I think, in the 49ers. I want to say 49ers so bad, but I'm going Cowboys. This game has a lot of the same, I think, Cardinals-Cowboys vibes that we were talking about in Week 17. And I think the same result's going to happen. I think the NFC West team's going to go on the road, and I think they're going to get the win. I mean, you know, you you watched them play against the Rams last week. They were down 17 nothing midway through the second quarter. Sean McVay went down there and celebrated with his players after scoring a touchdown. You know, Sean McVay went down there like they won the, the freaking Super Bowl. And then you saw the resiliency, the, the, the fight to go down there and get a field goal at the end of the half to make it 17-3. And then Debo Samuel to throw a touchdown to tie the game. That was nice to see. They watched some, uh, you know, Stafford and crew, they tried to fight back. And, you know, they ran out of time. That was an underthrown ball by, by Stafford Odell. That would have been a touchdown if it would have been, you know, three or four yards or more out in front. But that's just been the model of the 49ers season, I think. You know, a lot of people counted them out. They, they're kind of like the Raiders. I think a lot of people counted them out when Garoppolo started to struggle. Then he got hurt. Then everybody thought, okay, well, no, there's no way Trey Lance is going to do this. But they ended up pulling it out. They, they're going to win this game 27-24, I think. And it's going to be the reason why they win this game is going to be the reason on how they got here. Debo Samuel. He's going to have 65 rush, 95 receiving yards. I think he scores two touchdowns. I think he scores a rushing and a receiving touchdown. Uh, Garoppolo's 225, two touchdowns and a pick. I think Elijah Mitchell has a 50-yard game. He fumbles, though. That may cost him the game. They're going to they're gonna somehow avoid losing this game by that margin. Uh, Prescott, he's going to struggle, man. I think he's going to throw two interceptions. Still going to throw for 275 yards, though. I think uh, Zeke, 45. Pollard, 35 on the ground. Uh, Cooper, Lamb, and Pollard are going to score the receiving touchdowns. And, and in the same case, when we're talking about Alabama, Georgia, I think when Dallas loses, America wins as well. So this is going to be a good week for America, I think. Never would be a doubt without any technical difficulties. There never, never has been. There never will be. <laughs> All right, let's move on here to we got two more games to break down here on Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Sunday at eight fifteen, our Sunday night of the Chiefs and the Steelers, uh, the TikTok Bowl, Jackson Holmes and Juju Smith Schuster. Maybe they'll have a dance off at halftime. I would not be surprised. <laughs> I mean, whatever you can do to get your uh, followers up or. Uh... Who is even their audience? Because obviously uh, NFL fans are not fans of Juju or, or Jackson Mahomes. <laughs> so uh, who is their audience? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Ask the millions of dollars that they make. It's crazy to me. I mean, if I could just sit in front of the camera and, you know, move my flail my arms around and make the amount of money they do. I mean, it's it's insane. It is for sure. Who do you, who's going to win this game? Or I should say, how many, how many points are the Chiefs going to win by? Obviously, they blew Pittsburgh away in Week 16. I, I think this will be Big Ben's worst playoff game of his entire career. And I, I uh, say that in respect for Big Ben and his legacy as, you know, probably a top two, top three Steelers quarterback of all time. And from his draft uh, class and era, he was a top five quarterback. Um just in terms of the early 2000s into the 2010s, he he was one of those guys we talked about with Manning, Brady, Rodgers. Those were the guys in the top conversation. Drew Brees, you know, for so long. And uh, it's going to be sad to see him go out, but it's not going to be a pretty game for him. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be one of those 37 to 13 type of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs are going to continue their path to the third straight Super Bowl, possibly. Um, you know, what a career Big, Big Ben's had in his career. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that, that it's already over. You know, he's, he's really the second of those four or five guys that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Third, I should say, if you're counting Eli. Yeah. The third of those five, six names that you mentioned that, that have ended their career. Hard to believe he only really made two Super Bowls, obviously winning the one against the Seahawks in Detroit and then losing mm-hmm. to Rodgers um, in the Super Bowl they had against uh, – or in Dallas against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mahomes, 350, four touchdowns. That's two other defenses and got to touch him. I mean, maybe the sack record tired uh, J.J. Watt, maybe get – or not J.J., T.J. gets to him maybe once, maybe twice, but that's it. Mm-hmm. He's going to have no turnovers. You know, it's not a good secondary that he's going to carve up. Uh, Darrell Williams, 45 and a touchdown on the ground. I think Kelsey scores two touchdowns. I think Hardman scores, and I think Tyreek scores as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ben's going to have 225, one touchdown, two picks, but at least he scored a touchdown, which looks like it's going to be in the final game of his career. Najee Harris is going to struggle again with 35 yards. They're going to be down early, I think, big, so they're not going to be running the ball that much. And then mm-hmm. Claypool is going to score uh, Ben's final two NFL touchdowns after scoring the one last week against uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to our final wild card matchup of the weekend. And we say the Monday night or the first Monday night playoff game in NFL history is probably going to be the best wild card game of the weekend. It's the Cardinals. It's the Rams from SoFi Stadium. Do the Rams continue their path to be the second team in a row or second season in a row where the home team can host? Hmm. Versus the Cardinals, I'm going to say they're going to they're gonna go ahead and win this game just based on the Cardinals' struggles in recent, you know, weeks. They lost to the Lions. They Who else did they lose to? Indianapolis. They, they didn't look good back. against Seattle last week. They did not look good against Seattle. Um, I don't see them winning this game. They've fallen apart again at the end of a – they started the last two seasons phenomenally. This season even better than the previous. They're just not quite where they need to be yet. They've had a lot of injuries, unfortunate, and came at unfortunate times late in the season. And this this game, it's going to be close. It's going to be one of probably the best matchup of the entire you know wild card weekend. Yeah. But Matthew Stafford, it's going to be good to see him get his uh, first playoff win. Yeah, that'll be really nice to see in his fourth try. He's going to get his first playoff win. I agree. I think it's going to be a thirty-one to twenty-eight game. I think this is going to go down to a last-second field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, if it's half as good as the game that we got in week 14, I believe it was on Monday night where they went to Arizona and it was a one-score game, I think mm-hmm. we're in for a great treat, you know. Uh, the Cardinals absolutely destroyed L.A. in week four at SoFi Stadium, you know. They, they started that 8-0 run, mm-hmm. and then, you know, they almost beat the Packers at home, and then Kyler was hurt. And I honestly still think Kyler's hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, losing Hopkins is probably the nail in the coffin, I think, for the season for them. Yeah, and that's gonna be the reason why they lose. You know, it's gonna be a typical Stafford game. I think getting it done with a fourth quarter comeback. Um, Stafford's gonna go for two eighty-five, three touchdowns. He's gonna to throw that typical Stafford interception that won't phase him. I don't think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Acres, Cam Acres, what a story that he's gonna get back into the starting lineup. He played a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna get him a little bit more uh, touches. I think he's gonna have a sixty-five yard rushing game and a touchdown. Hard to believe this guy tore his Achilles in July and he's back. You know, for the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's think- insane. I think Odell scores a touchdown. Uh, I think the other two are going to go to Cooper Cup, who was just so close to breaking uh-huh. Calvin Johnson's record. I believe he was, what was it, maybe 17, 18 yards away. Some, I think it was you 18. Know, he, he needed one significant catch in overtime, and I don't think Stafford targeted him more than maybe twice in overtime, which was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyler Murray, 200 pass, 70 rush, three total touchdowns. I think he's have two pass, one rush. 
Uh, Connor's going to have a 65-yard game and a touchdown. I think Edmonds, you know, he's going to get back in the lineup a little bit, bit more healthy, have a 40-yard performance, maybe get a couple grabs in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Christian Kirk and then Antoine Wesley score for the Cardinals. Uh, we got a potential matchup for the Rams and the Packers in the divisional round. I think that'll be really fun. It's going to be a good uh, matchup there. And then, you know, just taking a look, Stafford, you know, being with Cooper Cup 18 yards off. Stafford's now, you know, the guy who was the quarterback for both of the most, you know, receiving yards in a season, Cooper Cup and uh, Megatron, both those guys, top two in receiving yards in a season. Stafford was the quarterback for both. There's no question in my mind anymore that Stafford has even more of a legitimate chance to make, you know, the Hall of Fame. And if he can string, you know, a couple good seasons here in L.A. together, I think his chances only get better. And the with the accolades that he has right now, I, I don't think he needs a Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I don't either. I just think he needs two more, you know, winning seasons. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our Super Wild Card Weekend preview. And then uh, we got one last final segment here. Obviously, as we mentioned earlier at the beginning, the College Football National Championship game was last night. It was a rematch of the SEC Championship game that was just played, I believe, about four or five weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Georgia. It was Alabama. Um, we were definitely guaranteed our third straight season with an SEC school winning the national championship, obviously mm-hmm. with uh, Joe Burrow and the national championship from LSU in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then last year we had Alabama win with, um, with Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. But this year it's a third different SEC team to win, and it was the Georgia Bulldogs. They broke a 42-year drought. It was their first national championship since 1980. Uh, it was a very, very boring first three quarters or so. It was mm-hmm. nine to six Alabama at the half. Um, we had the unfortunate injury to Jamison Williams, who was going to be, he's probably going to be, may, may not be, but he was going into the game, probably the top guy when it comes mm-hmm. to um, coming off the draft board as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there were probably a couple teams sitting in that seven to 11 range. Their fans were probably just, you know, distraught that, that Jamison Williams got hurt. Obviously, very nasty injury. Uh, they, ESPN, I don't know why they did it. They kind of zoomed in on the injury. You could see it, like, pop, and that was kind of disgusting, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a field goal kicking contest through the first half of the game, and even in the third quarter, it was a little bit boring. We did get our first touchdown of the game by Georgia. It was a one-yard touchdown set up by a huge 67-yard run by James Cook. James Cook is actually Dalvin Cook's brother. I didn't know this until the mm-hmm. Orange Bowl against Michigan, which is going to be very exciting to watch James Cook play. Um, and then uh, Zaire White, their other running back, at a one-yarder to give him a 13-9 lead. I believe this was late in the third quarter. Uh, the big stud running back for Brian, uh, Alabama, Brian Robinson, he had 210 yards in the semi against Cincinnati. And um, it was just hard to believe that he only had a 68-yard game on 22 carries. Um, he's a senior, so it would be interesting to see what he goes in the draft, I think, this year. Uh, another potential first-rounder, like I say, with Jameson Williams getting injured. We mentioned Corral spraining his ankle in the, um, the Sugar Bowl. That was very unfortunate. 13-9 um, going into the fourth quarter, though. Georgia was leading. And then Stetson Bennett, you know, he's been doubted his whole career. He's a walk-on. He was the first preferred walk-on, I think, to start ever in a national championship game. Mm. He, he had the fumble. And it was kind of a controversial play. They, they had a play like that in the first series where Bryce Young fumbled, and then they ran, uh, Georgia ran it back for a touchdown. They, they uh, took that off the board, set his arms moving forward. I, I don't really know what the difference was between the Bryce Young fumble and the Stetson Bennett fumble. It looked the same to me. They mm-hmm. obviously ruled in Alabama's favor. It was ruling on a field as a fumble. Um, you know, it's the typical 
theory that I have that Nick Saban gets whatever call he wants and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that set them up at the the Georgia 16-yard line. Uh, tight end Cam Latudu scores a touchdown to make it 16-13 Alabama. Uh, the, the story of why Alabama lost this game late in the fourth quarter, two, their final two drives where they gave up the touchdowns were set up by pass interference calls that really shouldn't even have been needed to be called. The ball was getting thrown on the other side of the field, and they were pushing and shoving a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stetson Bennett threw an absolute dime to a Donnie Mitchell, 40 yards, uh, gave him a 19-18 lead with two, eight minutes to go. They, they tried to go for two. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But Georgia makes a huge three-and-out stop, gets a huge touchdown to make it an eight-point game, uh, set up by another P.I. call. Um, the guy that you really want to watch out for, he's only a freshman right now, Brock Bowers. He's a tight end. I mm-hmm. think this guy can be a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller type, maybe even a Gronk type mm-hmm. with his build and with his receiving abilities. Uh, we all thought Alabama was going to go down and tie the game, and we were heading for overtime, and that would have just been a classic way to end the season. Uh, but in dramatic fashion, Bryce Young, he throws a pick six mm-hmm. at midfield. Keely Ringo runs at 79 yards to the house. Um, kind of screwed around a little bit with the over-under in the game and the spread. Uh, I think the spread coming into the game was like three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you had Alabama plus three and a half and you had the under at about 50, I'm sorry, because uh, that pick six kind of ruined it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little bit of stats here. Uh, Bennett went 17 to 26, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Zaire White, 84 yards. Uh, James Cook, 77 yards, only on, I believe, six carries for Cook, which was very impressive. Uh, George Pickens, speaking of great stories, uh, he tore his ACL in March. He comes mm-hmm. back and has a 53 yard catch in the second quarter to be the dog's leading receiver. It was an amazing shoestring catch. I, I was watching it live. Uh, Slade Bolden is going to be another guy to watch out when he makes the league. He's definitely a Bill Belichick slot receiver, I think. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of memes saying, you know, Bill Belichick's probably watching this guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to be signing with the Patriots very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, some defensive stars for the game. Nolan Smith, seven tackles, a sack, and two tackles for a loss for the dogs. And then Will Anderson, who's going to be a very, very high-profile NFL star, I think, when he makes it into the league. Mm-hmm. He only had four tackles, but definitely felt made his pressure, presence felt with a lot of quarterback pressures. Uh, so it was a 33-18 final score for Georgia. It was third straight title for the SEC, and the Dogs break a huge, huge um, drought. A couple of years ago, we talked about it was I believe it was I think it was Clemson, Georgia, and it was you know that was a game I think a couple of years ago in college football that we we talked earlier in the season a ton of those guys who were in that game. Oh, you're talking about Georgia, Oklahoma. That was the Rose yeah. Bowl a couple of years. Yes, ago. that's what it was. Baker uh, from DeAndre Swift, Chubb, Sony Michelle, lot just, of lot of pros. Saying game. this game reminded me of that. I feel like these two teams we're going to be seeing a lot of these guys in the NFL. Um, a hard fought, you know, match. And in my mind, Alabama's always been the closest thing to NFL, you know, standards. And to beat Georgia and beat them to me says a lot about the talent they have on that team. And you know, being the being the Bulldogs, being the underdogs, it was good to see them finally, you know, win against Bama. Um, just good to see Bama lose, honestly. It, it always is. You know, they lost earlier in the season in, in a shocking game. I believe they were like 17-point favorites at Texas A&M. They lost mm-hmm. that game on a last-second field goal. And, you know, it's just it's that motto of, you know, Alabama win, loses and America wins. And mm-hmm. it's just it, it was really nice. It, I don't know if it's, it's almost better to watch them lose in the regular season. But to see him not win a championship, just that, that makes me feel a lot better as well. Definitely. Is there anything else you have to say before we get out of here? It was a crazy week in the NFL. And uh, I, I just know these playoffs are about to be absolutely bonkers. I, I was telling people, you know, this is probably the most wide open season I think that we've had mm-hmm. in a couple of years. 
usually you have your you have your two, you have your three teams. I think five or six teams can legitimately make the Super Bowl this year. And Definitely. all five of those six teams that can make it can also win it at the same time, I think. Mm-hmm. No one really pulled away as the, the most dominant mm-hmm. team. Or... I mean, obviously, you got the Packers and the Chiefs are probably the lead dogs, but yeah. I wouldn't. I, yeah, that's probably going to be the most likely Super Bowl matchup, but you definitely have, pardon me, some other matchups, I think, in the making, possibly. Definitely. All right, that's going to wrap it up here, guys, for episode number 89. A little different talking that uh, that title game was pretty fun, though. You know, we had to fill in the third segment, obviously. Uh, it's player spotlight concluding last week. Uh, next week, episode number 90, Wild Card Weekend Review. Then we move on to a divisional round preview. And then I think we're going to decide that third segment up, uh, talking about some um, coaching fires and who we think will fill those slots, I believe. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe there's five or six jobs, I think, open. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Minnesota, Chicago, Vegas. Miami. Miami. So that, that, I think that's five. Mm-hmm. So five new head coaching jobs will be available after the Super Bowl. And we'll see if we can predict maybe one or two of them. So don't get, forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are found on all platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, etc. Uh, thank you guys again, as always, for listening. And we will talk to you guys next week.